Our Father and our God, this morning I pause, first of all, acknowledging you as our Father who art in heaven. You are indeed the God of the universe. You are in control of every situation. And Lord, we admit we don't know about tomorrow, but we do know who holds tomorrow. And we know who holds our hands, and we thank you for leading us and guiding us and directing us in the way that you will have us to go. I pray this morning that you will find liberty this morning through your Holy Spirit as I share the thoughts that you have laid on my heart. I pray that hearts will be challenged and you will be glorified. You reminded us that if you are lifted up, you will do the drawing. Lord, may they see only you and hear only you because it's your word that is quick, powerful, and sharp. We commit our time to you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a few questions I want to ask this morning before I get started. Question number one. Have you ever found yourself questioning whether or not you are truly born again into the family of God. I'm not waiting for an answer. I'm just viewing your beautiful face, those of you who are smiling. But what about when the bottom drops out? When everything that could go wrong seem to be going wrong. What then? What about the wife or husband of your youth who comes home one day and say, I don't love you anymore. Or they might even say, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. That always puzzles me when I hear people ask or say to me about their husband or wife, I'm not in love with him or her anymore. It, I, I, I'm puzzled. May I say to you today, we need to know whose we are when things like that happen. And I want to say this morning that our certainty of salvation and satisfaction is secure in him. The Apostle Paul never forgot the hour of his transition. And I dare say this morning that I could never forget January 5th, 1975, 12.30 a.m., when my life was transformed. But what difference does that make when trouble comes if I and my life is not anchored in the rock? Christ Jesus. 
before Paul gave his life to Jesus Christ, he lived at enmity between he and God, and so have all of us who live. We were at war, so to speak, with the captain of our souls. But after he gave his life to his Lord, he found victory. He had a life of fearlessness and confidence in his Lord and Savior from the moment he encountered his Lord on the road to Damascus. Doubts, fears, instability of purpose were all conquered by the knowledge of knowing him, as Paul puts it, in whom he believed. And I'd like to take this moment, or a few moments, to share with you how you can know the certainty of salvation. If you are truly born again into the family of God, you can know without a shadow or doubt that you belong to God. Looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, the Apostle Paul testifies, and I quote, That is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. The matter of Paul's salvation was not a conjuncture. It was a certainty, the assurance that gripped his soul was what the Apostle Paul hold on to. His personal knowledge of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul, if you know, did not say, I know what I believe. But he says, I know in whom I believe. Here is an important and eternal difference. He had committed his soul with Jesus Christ. And that he was able to keep the deposit that he gave safely. Paul could base his certainty on his salvation upon the fact that the Holy Spirit bore witness with his human spirit that he was 
a child of the Lord. And that is very, very important. For many of us, we seek to determine whose we are, where we are going, depending on how we feel. But may I say to you that you cannot base your salvation on feelings. Because if you do, you will be like a lot of people you're born again into the family of God today and you are lost before the day is over because you lose control and you said something that not even you believe that you are truly born again into the family of God. Listen to Romans chapter 8 verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. End of quote. The moment one is born again into the family of God, the Holy Spirit bears witness to that eternal relationship. Being born again as a newborn child of God May I say to you that your heavenly father assures you of whose you are. God intended the believer to know that eternal destiny of his soul is dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he has placed that witness within us. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a deposit or a guarantor that we are going to be delivered safely. Those of you who are business people, and you don't have to be a business person, but you might be trying to get rid of something. Uh, you're trying to sell something. And you are not convinced that the person who is the purchaser is serious until they put a down payment on whatever it is that you are trying to sell. And even then, you're not sure. I mean, I've had this experience over and over. People came and made a down payment uh, to move into an apartment. And a uh, couple days later, I have to give them the money back because they can come up with the rest of the money. So there's no guarantee when we look at it from that perspective. But uh, the Holy Spirit was given to you and to me who are born again into the family of God to guarantee you that you are going to have a safe delivery to heaven. But not only that, the Holy Spirit is the one that bonds you into the family of God. And he goes further because he's the one that is going to mark you present when you stand before your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on that day. So we know 
have this guarantee that we will be delivered safely on the other side. Listen to 1 John chapter 4 verse 13. And I quote, We know that we live in him and he in us. Why? Because he gives us his spirit, his Holy Spirit. The Israelites, when they were leaving Egypt on the night of the Passover, had no cause for doubt or uncertainty. If the blood was sprinkled on the doorpost, they were safe. God had said to Moses in Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, and again I quote, on that same night, what night? The night of the Passover. I will pass through Egypt and I will strike down every firstborn men and animals and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Here we see God making a distinct separation between the Egyptians and the Israelites. Between the men of Israel and the women of Israel and the men and women of Egypt. Even the animals the firstborn of the animals were destroyed. You ask, could God not do the same thing without putting the blood or having them put the blood on the doorpost? Of course he could. He could tell the difference. But he them to do that as a sign to differentiate between the Israelites and the, the Egyptians. May I say to you that the blood on the doorpost satisfied God and his word on the inside satisfies his children. The shed blood of Christ is our safety. The spoken word of God is our security. 1 John 5, 13 says, and I quote, I write these things to you who believe 
on the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. We can know that we have eternal life. Over and over I have dealt with individuals who would say to me, I can't be sure that I am going to go to heaven. But may I say to you, you can be sure. We need to hide God's word in our hearts so that we do not sin against him. But not only can we know the certainty of our salvation, but secondly, we can know the certainty of our satisfaction. The question may be asked, are you satisfied with Jesus? And I believe that if not all of you, most of you will say, yes, I am satisfied with Jesus. But the question is, is he satisfied with you? Is he satisfied with me? Why am I here? I am here to simply bring honor and glory to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the only reason. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, and I quote again, And we know that in all things God works for good of those who love him, who, are, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I have heard this quote over and over. And most of the time, we stop at this point, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. But that's not the end of the voice. But many times, we stop there, and we move on. But it goes on. It reminds us that it is for those who are called according to his purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And before the foundation of the world, he chose you for a purpose. Now we need to recognize what that purpose is. What is it? Why did God choose you? I could guarantee you it was not for your goodness or mine. Because the word of God tells me that my righteousness to him is like filthy rags. Now I wouldn't go to any extent to explain what filthy rags are. I'll leave that to your imagination. But you think of filthy rags. The apostle shows that the whole of God's dealing is directed towards the ultimate good of those who love him. 
whether or not we see and believe it, we may be sure that the purpose of God is to work out of us. It's for our good and for his glory. Whatever he is working in your life, I was visiting with Diane a couple days ago, and we were talking about the life of Brother Jaisal Thompson, one who I always looked up to, one who I respected. His wife didn't say much, but she always had his back. And when I saw what the Lord was doing in Brother Jesus' life, my question was, why Lord? Here is a man that has honored you as long as I knew him. One who gave his best. But yet, the Lord allowed him to go through some things before he went home to be with him. And I was one of those who asked myself, and God, why, Lord? And there are some other people that I asked the same question. We don't know. I look at George who has been so faithful. But he's going through a lot. Why? I can tell you that God can and does get glory. Not out of our suffering, but whatever he is doing he is drawing them closer to himself. My prayer is that when my day comes, I'll be able to leave that kind of legacy that in spite of whatever happened in my life, I was able to commit myself to God and trust him knowing that he who begun a good work in me will complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, we may not know, we may not understand why God allowed certain things to happen to good people, his people. Matter of fact, there are many things that we do not know In Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, Jesus says, Therefore, keep watch. Why? Because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. Keep watch. Because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ is coming today?
listen to the question. How many of you know for certainty that Jesus is coming today? I didn't think so. I don't think any one of you know because the word of God tells me no one knows. You know, if, if you knew Jesus was coming today, what would you be doing right now? I'm almost certain that you wouldn't be sitting down here so calm and so collective. You'll probably be trying to right some wrong that you might have done or seeking that out that individual who have done you wrong before you stand before your maker. You don't know. Acts chapter 1 verse 7 says, and I quote, He said to them, It is not for you to know the time or the date that the Father will set or the Father has set by his own authority. Only God knows that. We don't know. We don't know the time or the day. But yet, over and over, in my lifetime, people set time that the Lord was supposed to come. And some even say the day he came, but he was invisible. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, we find these words. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. May I say to you, I, again, I don't know about you, but I can speak for myself. Over and over, I go to God in prayer and I'm asking for something and I'm not sure that that's what God wants me to have. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot express. Yes, there are times when I go to pray for the sick. And my desire is to see that sick get up and get on with his or her life and bring honor and glory to God. But there are times I cannot pray like that. My prayer always, in most cases, ends something like this. Lord, not my will but may your divine will be done. Because I don't know. And I just don't feel impressed to ask that he raise them up. Because I don't know. These passages show, these passages, passages show us that our vision and understanding are limited in regards to some things. Only God has all knowledge. Only God knows everything. Only God knows the day, the moment that each one of us will draw our last breath. He knows it's written down in the book. 
We don't know who holds tomorrow. But thanks be to God, we know who holds our hand. We don't know what tomorrow may bring forth, but we know that in spite of whatever may happen, God is in control of our lives. Yes, I believe with all my heart that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. To believe otherwise is to doubt the ability of the omnipotent God of heaven. We know that he knows. David testifies to this in Psalm 139 verse 8. I quote, If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, you're even there. Your hands will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Isn't that good to know? That no matter where you are, if you are in his will, not only his hand, but he stipulates his right hand, his strong arms, will hold you fast. Let us not forget that our God is almighty all-knowing, all-wise, and is in control of every situation. Let us not only recognize that we can be certain of our salvation, that we can be certain of our satisfaction, but thirdly, we see the certainty of our security. Among the many things that are destroying the peace of not a few Christians is the fear of eternal punishment. When a Christian is dominated by fear. Not only does he deprive himself of a tranquil life, but he also limits the grace of God in salvation. This should not be. For the Bible says in Romans 8.38, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, 
neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither heights nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. Having committed your soul unto Jesus Christ and in his care like the Apostle Paul, now we can say we know. Paul was convinced that no power, however great, could separate him always in our lives when we stop and really concentrate on who he is if nothing else happens you can indeed find that peace that he who begun a good work in you will indeed complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. May I say to you, the Savior in whom he, Paul, trusted, he was being kept by the power of the Almighty God. And when we are born again into the family of God by his Holy Spirit, we receive eternal life. Now, I know that there are those who don't believe in eternal security, but I must believe the word of God. 1 John 5, 13 says, and I quote, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Although he was a son, or the only begotten son, he learned obedience from what he suffered, Verse 9, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obeys him. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 says, again, and I quote, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. May I say to you, since God's love is forever fixed, in his son, we too 
are eternally fixed in him. Romans chapter 8 verse 35, verse 35, Paul asks a question. Who shall separate me from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? God himself answers this question in Romans chapter 5 verse 3. Not only so, but we also rejoice in his suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. We suffer as believers. Why? So that we may persevere. Romans 8 verse 18 I consider that the present sufferings are not worthy to compare with the glory that will be revealed in us. My friends, I don't know about you, but God can't lie. And he is saying to you and me this morning that I, whatever suffering you go through, it will never be able to be compared with the glory he has for you and for me. I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, if something happens to me and I remember some years ago when I was diagnosed with cancer, Believe it or not, I really thought I was going to go home. But I found myself one day in my apartment in the U.S. with my face to the wall, and I thought of my wife and my children, and I said, Lord, help me to live long enough to see them graduate from high school. Thanks be to God, they have all graduated from universities and I'm still here. But you know, I didn't stop there. I believe it was the Holy Spirit that brought a name to me. And I can't remember who, who was it that turned his face to the wall and cried out cry out to God. Who is it? Would I? Hezekiah. Thank you. I couldn't remember his name for anything for that moment. I said, Lord, if I am going to be like Hezekiah, take me. Because I didn't want to be like Hezekiah. Being given 15 more years and then I miss the opportunity to continue to do what Hezekiah was doing, living before God in the way God intended him to. So sometimes we get what we ask for, but it turns out 
that it would have been better if God took us to be with himself. The writer to the Hebrew chapter 7 verse 25 says, Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lived to intercede for them. End of quote. Here we see that only Christ can save us and that he saves completely. In conclusion, I am completely convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the answer, I believe, to our disappointment of life is for me unbelief reside in a choice that I as an individual make it was not or it was my choice to believe the word of God or not believe it. My faith could not rest on my feelings or my emotions. Faith could not depend on my ability to figure everything out because if I could, then I don't need God. I believe our certainty of salvation and satisfaction in security is in him, Christ Jesus our Lord. If you were to die today, do you know for certain that you are absent from the body? I'm present with the Lord. That's my question to you today. And with all heads bowed, please, I want to ask if anyone in this audience could not answer that question without a shadow or doubt, I'd like to pray for you. Could you lift a hand? I'm not going to ask you to come forward. And even if I did, if you are sincere, you shouldn't be ashamed because if you are ashamed, the word of God tells me that he will be ashamed of you in the presence of his angel. And I'm sure you don't want that. But maybe there is someone who have some doubts if you do, just slip a hand up and I'll be willing to pray for you.
anyone, anywhere. Thanks be to God, everybody in this audience, as far as I can see, if Jesus Christ was to come right now, we'll go to be with him. But I am looking at your response, but he knows your heart. Shall we pray? Father, this is your word. I have shared it the way you have given it to me. We thank you because you said that if you are lifted up, you will do the drawing. Lord, you know every heart in this place, and you know them that are yours. I ask, oh God, this morning or this afternoon that you will meet each of us at the point of our needs, and we will be careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. Because it's to you, O oh Lord, all honor, glory, and praises is due. We give you thanks now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.